0: At this point in time, it's not good enough just to execute uh, analytics. It's not good enough just to be able to provide a user journey story to the business to say, here, now you know more about your customer. It's not good enough to run optimization campaigns that increase conversion. And the reason I say that is because the business is looking at your organization as a cost center. And unless you can change that conversation, uh, it's going to be a real uphill battle. And-
1: Welcome to 33 Tangents, a roundtable discussion covering a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Your hosts, Jason Thompson, John Naran, Jen Coons, and myself, Jim Driscoll, all live in different areas of the world, but work together in the same company. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others.
0: What? Uh, how was uh, how was everybody's Thanksgiving break? Um, mine
1: was good. Um, good. No injuries with the, the family football game on Thanksgiving morning, That's but good. it was frigid. It, the, the, the challenge was trying to keep warm, because I think when we got out there, it was about 25 degrees, so <laughs> it, it was a cold Thanksgiving, but overall, it, it was good. Lots of food. Um, I think I finally detoxed from just all of the, the food, all of the desserts.
2: Um, it,
1: but overall it was good. No, not, not nice. Right. Nice little break.
0: How was Thanksgiving in Thailand, John? Uh,
2: it wasn't much of Thanksgiving, but, um, it actually was a festive day because there was another holiday that actually fell on the same day this year. Um, oh really this, this, this holiday called Loi Kratong, which is actually one of the most beautiful holidays in, in Thailand. Uh, Basically, it's the, um, it, it falls on the, the it, it goes, all the, the holidays uh, go on like a lunar calendar. And it's like the, it was a full moon on the last month, basically, which is, was Thanksgiving this year. And basically the um, uh, the main ritual in this festival is that people create these really beautiful, um, they're called cradons, but they're like little floating Boats of sorts, like usually made out of banana leaves or orchids or flowers or whatever. You make a, you know, have a candle on it, uh, make a wish, and you basically let it float down the river or any kind of body of water. So it's kind oh, of I a very that looks amazing. Yeah, it's very, it's very beautiful. Um, so I don't know. It was, it was nice to to celebrate that, but yeah, it wasn't wasn't a Thanksgiving. I didn't overindulge okay. in the in the food this year. Well, I'm looking forward to your photos of Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, all the awesome. all the Christmas decorations are up in Thailand.
0: Yeah, that was fun to see last year. So, <laughs> well, Jim, what uh, what are we talking about today? Um, actually, before we
1: get started, Jason, is your mic far away from you? Because you sound it is
0: not. It is okay. right. Let me let me make sure it's still picking up my Yeti. Is it still picking up my Yeti? It is. It is. Uh, it is
1: but it, it just sounds like you were far away. I, I can still hear you. I could. I can um, increase the volume of you, or at least decrease us when I go to edit it. Just to make sure everyone's. No, college. I don't. We don't wanna have to, I don't want to have to do that. Jim um, on the control panel. There we go. That that, that sounds good. What you know, the way you I, were just talking there.
0: I didn't. I didn't do anything different. So.
1: Okay. Weird.
0: <laughs> okay. In my mind, no, it was like earlier
1: on. Scenes, you sound a little bit more quiet.
0: Okay. You you, right. you you picture jim in a control room with a big board and he's like moving the sliders with two fingers up and down to get the right
2: gain and balance yeah well, and i, I'll and I, I was picturing
1: garage band. <laughs> <laughs>
2: i was picturing the scene where you know you like you're looking for a tv reception on one of those old antennas like oh, yeah, yeah. oh it's perfect and you're yeah, in this weird position, position. i feel Wait, like that's what like you, like you were that. doing right now
1: yeah <laughs> No move um,
2: the, the next
1: time we get together, I have to show you what I do. Like when I bring it into to, into GarageBand, um, like I'll, I'll just make minor tweaks on it just to bring up volume. If like like uh, when we recorded the episode with Aaron and Gila, they they were a bit lower than you were, Jason. So I kind of bring it, brought them up or you down so everyone was kind of like on an even level.
0: For some reason, it doesn't shock me to picture Jim as an audio engineer. <laughs> yeah. I don't know I can why. <laughs> could just see it. All right, guys, that was a good one. Take... That was a good take.
1: Cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, thank you. I, I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> um, as far as our topic for today, I want to talk about proving value. You know, the, the title I'm going with is, you know, how do I prove value to my boss? And I, I want to get into a few specifics. You know, oftentimes we see... Um, the effort to implement, maintain, and use analytics and and other tools as well, you know, be questioned by those who aren't involved in the day-to-day. Now, Jason, you and I have spoken and written about several times, you know, how to prove value to sell an implementation project, whether that's implementing a TMS, implementing analytics itself, a data layer whatnot. So I don't necessarily want to focus on the implementation side of things. I want to focus on um, the pieces Follow, you know, following the initial implementation. Once that work is done, because many times management does not see value in functionality that doesn't provide direct revenue to the company. You know, it, it, those those kinds of functionality uh, are always always under attack, and you're constantly proving value. Um, whereas, say other functionality, you can point and say, "Well, this drives revenue this way. This drives." orders or subscriptions that way. Uh, analytics, the data behind you know the, the data it provides doesn't necessarily do that. So the questions I want to pose are, you know, once it's implemented, how do you demonstrate and prove the value of the data that's being collected? And you know, with that, how do you justify things such as software costs, the ongoing maintenance and maturity of your data collection methodology and the analytics? And as well as hiring people, building out a team to actually use the data.
0: I think, uh, geez, I, I don't even know where to start with this. Um, Good it, it it is a phenomenal question. It's, it's one from a services perspective that, that we're faced with all the time. Uh, but it's one that, that organizations across the board struggle with and, and we get the opportunity to, to see that directly. Uh, those working in an analytics-related role, I'm sure, see it as well. Uh, it's a cost center. Uh, in most organizations, it is, it is seen as a cost center. And uh, I don't believe that historically we've looked at it as kind of our collective challenge to show value. We, I, I think we've, we've just inherently taken this approach that analytics is valuable. It allows us to look at consumer behavior. And inherently, the more we know about the consumer, the better decisions that we can make as a business. And then we move into something that we think should be easier, but it's not, in optimization and personalization and say, okay, we've spent all this time learning about our consumers. Now let's start using these analytical tools to provide better user experiences to, uh, to our customers. We would think that that would be an easier sell to the business, but it's not. All of those things are, are still inherently looked at uh, as a cost center. And um, I, at this point in time, it's not good enough just to execute uh, analytics. It's not good enough just to be able to provide a user journey story to the business to say, here, now you know more about your customer. It's not good enough to run optimization campaigns that increase conversion and the reason i say that is because the business is looking at your organization as a cost center and unless you can change that conversation uh it's going to be a real uphill battle and and i've long been frustrated by this because um you can you can take it to extremes be you know we we work in this space and we we see the value um, but we also see organizations that really push back and fight against it. On one hand, on the other hand, we see them paying thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars per social post for some influencer to talk about their brand, because it's in, it's been long held that you know marketing drives revenue, even though there's no direct number or analysis that says it works it's it's moved the conversation out of you you cost us money to you make us money and i think until we can shift analytics into that other world where the business looks at analytics as you make us money it's going to continually be a very very difficult uphill battle to fight
2: yeah i feel like it's a constant challenge um i'm thinking more as a practitioner as well but it's, yeah, because it is in many ways. Um, I mean, and I don't want to be little analytics by any means. I mean, it's, it's it can very well be its own, you know, center of excellence, its own division. But at the same time, I think the interesting thing about the analytics role and what really attracted me to the to the to the field in the first place is that it functions as a supporting role for almost every other organization in the company as well. Um, and I think if it's run correctly, it almost becomes such a critical component to just doing business, normal business. That it's if if it really becomes, you know, a part of the business process. I feel like that's one way to kind of of avoid the the question coming up of if, whether it's valuable or not, because it's almost like saying, you know, how. How important is the the accountant or, or something, you know? It's just like it's it's like it's yeah. it's it's one Agreed. thing that just becomes part of the, the normal process. I think if right. you're always stuck in that that circle of you know, when you read white papers and things you talk you you read about, oh, this optimization test that resulted in X amount of, you know, annualized dollars and that's all good and fine. But I mean the truth is I think most optimization tests don't result in that and I think the value of analytics goes way beyond some optimization tests as well. Um, I, I mean, I'm also not trying to belittle that cause there's obviously tests that can change your no, no, business. You,
0: but, but you, yeah. you hit, you hit on a very, very key point and something that has pained me to say it in the past, but I will continue to say it until I see something change is that analytics optimization, at least digital, what we call digital analytics, um, for, Many, many companies is not a, a an inherent part of doing business, and if it went away, I honestly don't think anything would change in the business. And that, to me, right there, is is why it's so difficult um, to to prove value and why proving value needs to be the focus, um, and 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 not just proving value the, in what you're doing, but really taking a step back and saying. How can we become a critical part of the business? Because I am a true believer that it can, but I I also believe that for many, many businesses, it's not not built that way. And if it went away, it really wouldn't matter to them.
2: I think the, the main idea behind being a critical part of the business, I feel like as practitioners, we have to be more proactive than usual. Because if you're always reactive, like just uh, functioning when someone in the company asks a question and then you're available to answer, that seems like a kind of a nice to have, a luxury. But if you're constantly being proactive, like if there's a like some like actual examples I'm thinking of as a practitioner in the past, like if there's a site outage or something, you know, analytics jumps in to quantify the impact, maybe work with the engineering team to figure out where the problem is, you know, based on the data available, um, as an example, like that was something that, you know, became very important. And then suddenly like, Oh, even, you know, you have groups that may not normally interact with analytics being very like, Oh, uh, thinking of it as a very critical component to the business. Um, so I think there's just ways, I think it's a constant challenge to struggle, but to figure out ways to kind of, proactively insert yourself into other areas of the business that might not traditionally just be, you know, marketing performance or, yeah. or, 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 whatnot.
0: Uh, yeah, I agreed. Um, so I just had a side thought and, uh, I just, I, you just signed Jim up for more work. So thanks Jim for accepting that. Um,
2: <laughs> That's I, what we usually I, do every day.
0: <laughs> it, it, it's, it's so true. um, I think we can learn a lot from sports here because, and, and, and to be fair, um, I'm not a big fan of the conference scene, especially the analytics conference scene. I think there are, are too many it's watered down and we hear, we've heard the same thing over and over again from the same practitioners, from the same consultants for the last 10 years. Uh, I, I think it's time to get a fresh perspective. So I'm going to send Jim to next <laughs> year's, um, you cool with this, Jim? I'm going to send Jim.
2: <laughs> Say yes uh, before believe, you know
0: where it is. I, I believe it's in March. So um, he's going to have to do two conferences in a month. <laughs> but I'm going to send Jim to the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference in Boston. Because everything that I've seen from that, um, and Ben Gaines, we, we need, maybe we need to talk to Ben about this, um, goes to this every year. The, this conference is... Talking to people in sports that are truly using analytics to change the way that that they run their organizations, I think it could be a, a breath of fresh air to look at things from a, a higher level to say, you know, these people are truly using analytics as a differentiator. Uh, I don't know that we always get that from, from our kind of digital analytics conferences. We're more down in the weeds. We're hearing from practitioners uh, I think we need to hear from organizations where they look at analytics as if this went away, um, our 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 ability to perform at a high level goes away. Because that's what we need in, in the business world. We need businesses to say, if our digital analytics practice crumbles, then our ability to hit our forecasted numbers next year is going to be in jeopardy. And I just don't believe that organizations think that way today.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I, I am totally game for doing that. And... I think it's, it it comes at a good time. Um, and by good, I actually mean interesting. Uh, the reason being is, you know, if I look at Philadelphia, the Philadelphia sports, um, uh, the Philadelphia sports teams at the moment, you know, we, we have a couple big things going on, like the, the Phillies general manager, you know, he's under fire, you know, from traditional baseball guys, you know, as being someone who's too focused on saber metrics, And then the Flyers just fired their general manager because, I mean, there's multiple reasons behind it. But, you know, it seems to be coming down to he was more focused on his plan for the future and losing sight of the issues, you know, in the present. You know, he was too focused on a rebuild and it was almost seeming like we were kind of going into a perennial rebuild. So that's a side note. But yeah, I'm totally game for doing something like that.
0: Yeah, I think it'd be good to get uh, to get a fresh perspective. But bringing it back around to this conversation, okay. um, wh- where where do we see the potential? So, if I'm a manager of analytics, if I'm a director of optimization, um, let's maybe talk about what I can do to help start to shift that focus. What can I do to make? analytics indispensable in, in my organization. So John, what are, what are your thoughts on what are the gaps? What, what are we missing? Is it, is it a matter of just highlighting it? So, you know, we kind of started out the show with saying, you know, how do I prove value to my boss? How do I show value in the organization? Is it we're already doing it and we just need to market it better, or do we need to make some fundamental changes in how we run analytics organizations to make them much more valuable to the business from a from an insights, from a direction perspective.
2: I really think the key as a practi- practitioner itself is being more proactive. Um, and you have to go beyond, because it's very easy to just be responding to requests or questions or doing, you know, the status quo in analytics. And, statu- and I, I hate to use the word status quo because you can be overloaded with work. Uh, I think most people are and have, you know, yeah, like you could have a, a queue that could fill up six uh, full-time jobs, but still, but just be doing what's requested. I think you need to carve out time somehow um, or efficiencies to figure out a way to do it to become more proactive um, throughout the wider organization, so to increase the visibility. I think it's also key, which you know might be out of your control, arguably, but having a boss or executive support of analytics. I think that goes a really long way. Um, and I think there's there's a lot of creative ways you might be able to, you know, get that executive support when you're um, internal at a company, you know, uh, evangelizing analytics, for instance. Um, I always felt like that was a part of my, my role uh, as a practitioner, no matter what, you know, how you were organized. It was always to be kind of like an evangelist of, of analytics. Um and I think I, I like the word evangelism too because it actually, you know, takes on that proactive feel as well. Um and I think we have to do that as consultants as well. Um, you know, we always try to go beyond what is described in the scope to try to, you know, expand more or, or not just for business, but so that our clients get more value out of what we're doing as well. But I think the same is true as if you're if you're internally at a company too to, to get more to to get everyone on the same page that you are providing value, you have to kind of go beyond um, what's being requested.
0: How much of it do you think comes down to where analytics is positioned in the hierarchy? And and by that I mean I've always used the <clears> analogy that I I I think that. Um, in many, many organizations that analytics sits at the kids' table. So if you think about large family gatherings where you have the big, fancy table laid out, inherently, there's always a few extra people that don't fit at the big table and they pull out the small rickety card table with the folding chairs and they put a few kids at that table. Um, that's where I see analytics positioned in, in many, many companies. Um, whether it's right or wrong because they've they've shown the, the value or not, how much of it do you think is just giving analytics the proper voice and positioning within the hierarchy of an organization?
2: Yeah, that's that's an interesting one too. And I don't know if there's a rule of thumb because, I mean, my own experience is somewhat limited. I think everyone's is, is limited and it depends on the organization. And I am seeing now more and more that there are um, analytics as being elevated in the company. I mean, there's, you know, certain... Large companies have chief analytics officers, even CAOs, I believe. Um, I've you know previously been organized as a practitioner in every department. you know it was part of finance, product, engineering, uh, um, marketing. Um, and I feel like to some degree it depends on how vocal. The or how much pool you know the the executive in charge of your division has with with senior management. In my personal experience, I I feel like for me it was I was in the most powerful. I felt like I had the most pool when I was when Analytics was organized um, uh, within engineering, basically. And rolled up to the the CTO, just because engineering usually has very high high pull within the in the company. And if 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 the developers are on the same page with analytics, I think there's there's a few things that that come into uh, good efficiencies. Like you have you know the implementation in line with new products, everything goes through engineering before it's released. You know even you know product goes through engineering. Um, that said. Analytics goes well beyond just a technical role, as we know. Um, so I think it's it's just having the either a, you know maybe an analytics partner in engineering or or you know having having the flexibility to have you know less just technical people and, uh, organized that way too. I think there's many ways to 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 organize it, but uh, and I probably went off on a tangent there. But I think the key is really just having uh, vocal supporters um, and, you know, whatever the, the vocal supporters, but also those supporters and executive supporters I'm talking about that really understand the value of it. Yeah. And I guess value is what we've been talking about and it's a very ambiguous term, but just that really kind of understand the reason for wanting to always provide those insights or those, you know, those, those, Um, uh, quantitative types of additions to whatever is, is happening. I'm trying to speak ambiguously, but it's, uh, I think, I think Uh, it's (laughs) true.
0: No, no, that's, that's good. And I'll, and I'll take that ambiguous thought and put, I'll make it a little bit more crystallized in, in the way that I see it working Mm -hmm. Uh, because I, I took this approach when I was on the client side. And I, I may have talked about this in a previous podcast, but it is such a powerful insight that I think it's worth bringing up again. So if we go back to Jim's uh, original question, how do I prove value to my boss? So let's let's assume that I'm a manager of analytics or director of analytics. I think the very first thing that you have to accept is that you are a cost center. I, it, it's, it's a it's critical that that be your mindset because that is how your organization looks at you as a cost center. And that changes the game. Um, and it changes the game in a very meaningful way in which you, you truly have to go above and beyond doing your job. If you're going to be successful as a cost center, it is not good enough just to execute at a high level, um, what is expected of you. That is, is not good enough because you're still costing the organization. And so it's important to recognize that that is the case and realize that if you truly want to achieve something bigger, you have to go well above uh, what is expected of you for, for your role. And, and by that, I mean, and, and I'm going to go back to this great advice that my boss, Paul, in my very first job out of college gave me, was uh, I worked in IT, IT is definitely seen as a cost center. And he said, your customers have a choice. Just because you work in IT, that doesn't give you the right to just say, we're gonna do our work and our customers have to accept it because it's the mandate of the organization that they use what we do. Your customers have a choice and you have to market and sell to your customers even though your customers are internally. And I took that mentality to the client side when I ran analytics and I said, okay, I'm going to provide a service internally, but I'm going to look at it as if my customers internally have a choice. They can choose to use what I put out there, or if they don't like it, they can go find something else that fits their needs. And so I spent a good chunk of my time thinking about, How am I going to sell my services into them? And how am I going to market my services to the organization so that my services have the feeling of value and and that there's um, a desire to purchase my services? And so that would be my number one advice, improving value to my boss or to the organization as a whole, is number one, switch your mindset and accept that you are a cost center. Number two, because of that, start thinking about how can I become a marketer? Can, and this, yeah.
2: Oh, sorry, if I interject for a second. Can you expand on the idea of um, being a cost center, just um, to be a, m- a little bit more clear on what that that means? Exactly. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. So, just taking a step back in in organizations um, outside of upper management, organizations are typically looked at in one of two ways. You're either a cost center, meaning you're a necessary part of doing business but you, you cost the business. You don't, you don't generate any direct revenue for the business or you're a profit center in which, in which your organization has direct responsibility for generating profit for the business. And profit centers and cost centers uh, are treated much, much differently in an organization. And, and you can look at it by looking at organizations that you've worked at in the past or organizations that we work with today. If you're a profit center, let's say marketing is a profit center, you get much greater leeway in budgets and what it is that you do. Um, Just look how easy it is for a marketing organization to get budget approval for millions of dollars to run a marketing campaign. Why? Because marketing directly drives revenue for our company. Now go back to that same company and look at a cost center analytics and look at how difficult it is for analytics just to secure a few thousand dollars to do something that they want to do it's incredibly difficult and that's because they're looked at as a cost center they cost the business money and so when you're looked at as a cost center you have to change your your mindset in what it is that you do because if you're a cost center doing your job and providing insights into our customers experience providing optimization programs all of that stuff um, it's not good enough just to execute on that level because all of that stuff is inherently just costing the business money. It's a, it's a necessary part of doing business that we have to do, um, but it's costing us money. So we're going to minimize that as much as possible.
2: Hmm.
0: Got it. So I think we all like to believe that we're, we're not a cost center you know and i and i and i think that that's one of our biggest challenges is we've convinced ourselves that that analytics and optimization isn't a cost center and we've 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 gone about our job thinking that and it's not until we admit to ourselves that we're seen as a cost center that we can start to shift the way that we view ourselves within the organization and and change the way that that we operate and and it's a it's a subtle little difference but it's important to make that ex, um that Uh, that distinction, because once you do, we can now start to say, okay, I now understand why it is so important for me to make the case to my boss, to management, to sell our services, to go out of my way and market what it is that, that we do. It's, it's, it's just part of the game and what has to be done. Um, Like any good organization that is marketing their product to drive consumers to purchase, to drive increased value in the marketplace as someone owning analytics, that really is something key that you have to learn how to do and focus on because just doing your job, isn't going to provide the value that inherently it deserves. You have to physically market what it is that you're doing in order to provide, to prove that value out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So Jason, I had a
1: question for you. Um, I know in the past um, clients have come to, to you and Hila with, with, questions around this. And the, the, the most common one um, I've seen come across is they're coming up on contract renewal for a paid enterprise level analytics solution. And management is saying, well, Google Analytics is free. Um, and so they, they've come to us for help on justifying the cost of, of renewal. Um, can you speak to, you know, you don't have to go into details, the specific clients and whatnot, but you know, some of those conversations that, that that you've had around helping justify contract renewal for, for a paid solution.
0: Yeah. And again, I think that helps my argument that analytics is, is looked at as a cost center. So if, if it's just costing the, the company money, that is, um, a a natural conversation to have is how can we reduce costs as much as possible in our analytics organization, because it is a cost center. We want to, we want to lower the costs as as much as possible. So in those times, I, it's important for us to go in and understand where it's going to impact the business. And that's where we've been successful working with our clients in the past is that we know it is providing tremendous value. We know that there are actually critical things in the business that are dependent upon this analytics solution and a paid enterprise solution in order to maintain the level of execution that the business expects. And and I think that helps highlight the gap and the importance of of that marketing role uh, because The business hasn't been shown that they haven't been shown that what does scarcity look like if this has gone away, they just think, okay, analytics, it's analytics, it's going to work, whatever, let's reduce our costs it's still going to work. That proves that, you know, people that are running analytics aren't going out of their way to market and say, no, 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 it's only working because you're paying for X because you're buying Y. And and so that highlights the importance of that sales and marketing piece to educate the business and their marketplace internally as to why, what it is that they've chosen to do and deploy across the enterprise is is so critically um, important. And and so that's where we've been successful is partnering with our our customers to say. We, we can see the value. Not only can we see the value, we can see things today that if this went away, that parts of your business would cease to work. You, you, you need to do a better job, client, and we can help you in educating the business on the value of what you're providing, but not only the value, the critical part of your role that's helping these pieces of the business operate um, as the business expects them to. And I think that that's, a, that's kind of a, a key um, pivot point um, because so many in, in analytics, we look at our role as a provider of insights and information, and, and we need to rise above that. That's, that's fine that that may be a starting point, um, but if, if we're just providing reports, if we're just providing in, in, insights, um, inherently that can go away. Ultimately, we need to get to a point where, and I think John may have mentioned it, that, that analytics, that optimization, that personalization is deeply embedded into the business as, as just part of, of what we do. Um, and not to just embed it into for embedding it in sake, but because we truly believe that uh, by putting those pieces into place, we'll actually make the business better, we'll make it more efficient, we'll make it more profitable. And it's only then that that the true value of what analytics can can prove um, will become indispensable to the business.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really important point because analytics to me is not meant to be kind of a separate, isolated team. I think usually when we come in as consultants and try to help um, optimize the organization, sometimes we see that and we're trying to you know more deeply integrate the the the. Um, the analytics team or the the analytics processes, but as a practitioner, I think you really have to be the the evangelist for that and be proactive about really inserting yourself where you may not have been inserted before. And I think it's it's not like there's any reason for it, but it, you know, analytics being kind of a newer uh, part of many businesses, it just needs to mature to be kind of threaded within the rest of the organization.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, and one of the challenges is that, and I don't want to make broad over generalizations here, but by and large people that are attracted to digital analytics tend to be more B type of personalities tend to be more introverted type of personalities. And um, they're really, really good at at what they they do, but they're more of a, I want to go heads down and just do what I do. I want to analyze data. I want to build deployment strategies for collecting data. Uh, I, I want to build an optimization program and, and, and unfortunately, that isn't isn't good enough. You know, we're going to have to learn to be uncomfortable with being a little bit more of an A type personality and, and being a bit more aggressive in putting ourselves into those conversations and talking about why it is the why it is what what we do is is so critically important for the business and pushing ourselves into things that we may be a little bit uncomfortable with. because. Um, and I'm speaking for myself, you know, for me, it's much more comfortable just to say, give me a set of data. I'm going to kind of lock myself in a dark office with my headphones on, and I'm going to, you know, find some interesting stories with this data. That's where our comfort place is, but it's, it's not good enough. We have to, we have to kind of pull out that a personality in us sometimes and and be a bit more aggressive in positioning what it is that that we want to do.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a fair, fair point, I think to say.
0: Jim, what are your thoughts?
2: Um, so, I mean, I, I, we, we've
1: talked a, a, um, about a few different things. And you know, to, to, to start to, to wrap it up, I mean, I know we, we've talked already, like steps that people can take um, and things that they can do. And it seems like the, the, the first step is evangelizing the value um, outside of just the, the, the team that's producing the data. Um, so in an effort not to be redundant uh, and also to, to begin wrapping things up, you know, what are some concrete steps people can take to start evangelizing? you know, some very specific things and pulling from both of your um, your, your history, you know your experience, what are some specific things to begin the evangelization of the data and the value that it provides? Um, considering there's a cost to getting it?
0: So I'll go first and then I'll let John jump in. There are three tactical things that I did day one um, as as part of building an analytics organization on the client side. And it was all about being a marketer. So I, I guess before we even jump into that list, you have to accept that you have to put on your marketer hat and you have to market what it is that your analytics organization is is doing and so i did that in in three ways one i had a monthly executive um meeting or review and it was a a fairly open-ended invite in which we would present interesting insights And I I hate to say it's kind of a dog and pony show and kind of more for entertainment value, but it was. Um, It wasn't a hardcore, let's jump in the weeds and go through this analysis. It was more of a, I'm going to entertain you for 30 minutes with data. So think about kind of a TED Talk that has a very strong analytical um, backing to it. That's what I did once a month just to drive excitement um, around what it is that we were building. Again, we have to be marketers. Number two, I started an email marketing campaign every week. um, An email newsletter went out to people in the organization talking about what it is that we were doing, providing insights into our customers' um, experience on our site, providing key nuggets of information to help increase the overall knowledge level uh, about the business and what our customers were doing. So number two, starting an internal newsletter uh, or email newsletter campaign. And number three I created a website I I, I literally created a marketing focused website internally in which I marketed that what that we were doing as an analytics organization so it was kind of a a general stopping point or a hub for all things analytics so if people wanted to come and and get the latest information and 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 tidbits as far as how many members that we had what are our members doing how are our a B tests performing uh, what what is the roadmap look like for analytics um, and I built it in a very very marketing focused way. Again, it's great that it's kind of a central hub that people can come and consume information, but my primary focus was this is a marketing tool. Um, And so those are those are my three pieces of advice is not necessarily having to follow those, but find things that you can do that will serve as a, a marketing campaign to provide not only insights into what you're doing, but to truly drive excitement um around what it is that you're building within your organization be a marketer
2: well i really i really like those and a lot of those ideas sound very familiar to my my past as well i i especially on the entertainment value one specific thing i used to like to do um and granted i I came from a lot of uh uh, e-commerce background but i think this is applicable anywhere uh you know in addition to Maybe like a newsletter. I think you mentioned an email newsletter, Jason. But like, I also um, occasionally um, sent out uh, like when there was a new product launch or something. And um, this is going to be incredibly hard to do without name drop where I where I the the specific example I'm thinking of. But <laughs> I remember like you know when. Um, uh, iPods launch in a new a new country. Like, uh, like, <laughs> guess what? Uh, you know, guess what? Which color is selling the best? You know, and like, kind of made it a little bit of a game in this, of sorts. I think you can have a lot of um, uh, fun with with some of the data, and maybe the you know the actual insight is very unactionable. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. But it gets people thinking about data more, and I think that's really the key. Um, or perhaps there's something more obscure like, uh, you know, after like black Friday, I guess, you know, you want to take a guess on, you know, how sales are doing or something like that, you know, assuming you don't have a big dashboard on display or something. But I think just to get people thinking about data more top of mind, it seems very simple, but yeah, I, I, think, and like you do found that, that really helps people thinking about it. I mean, it seems very straightforward when you say it actually um, that, and then, let's see the, what was I going to say? The other thing, the other thing I was thinking of too is just um, like maybe non-traditional kind of things you can do is just talk to people more in other departments, see what they're working on um, and just like um, brainstorm whether, you know, like, Oh, like I think, you know, maybe you could use this data to help you design this new page or, you know, leverage insights from something else, you know, not necessarily a formal meeting, but I, I feel like a lot of these back, back, um, you know, I was going to say back alley, but more, <laughs> it's been a while since I've been in the office, water cooler conversations, uh, <laughs> water cooler type conversations uh, really help uh, get people thinking about data too. And sometimes they're very instantly actionable too. Um, you know, whether it's, you're talking to someone on the product team, someone on an engineering team, um, about inserting data, you know, like maybe leveraging some insights or maybe, oh, you're building this, make sure that you're also going to be tracking this. You know, I, it just, it just helps. I think, I mean, you really have to kind of use somewhat guerrilla tactics. I feel like sometimes to, to get the word out.
0: So. Jim, don't get mad, but we have to extend a few more minutes um, because John, <laughs> <No worries. laughs> John just, John said something that is, is critically important. And if, if we talked about nothing else over this last 40 minutes or so, and we want to talk about how to truly provide value to our boss in the organization, John just said it, and I don't want it to pass by without people picking up on it. Um, it. Inherently, as analytics professionals, we, we like to talk about the guts of what we, we do. Um, we, we like to get down in the weeds and talk about EVARs we're setting, or talk about specific variables in Google Analytics that we're defining, or talk about the um, statistical modeling approach that we took with this optimization campaign that we executed. I'm going to let everyone in on a little secret that's working in the analytics space. Everyone outside of this doesn't give a crap about that. In fact, it's a major turnoff <laughs> that we we talk about that. It, it really is. Right. And, and yet that's what we want to talk about. And um, we, we need to, we need to be able to change our game. And, and, and what, what, what struck me is uh, John didn't want to mention it, but um, he worked at Apple and, if you go back to like the iPod launch and that time, there was a very subtle difference in how those things were marketed. And we're talking about marketing analytics and all of the other kind of iPod competitors marketed their product. Like we're trying to market our analytics today. They talk about all of the technical details and the hardware and, and, and why that's important. And they, they go into like great depths about the technology and, and and Apple didn't do that at all when they marketed the iPod. They talked about putting ten thousand songs in your pocket, and they they showed people in you know being free from from their their tethered desktop, listening to music, and they're out in the streets dan- Like that's what Apple chose to focus on, and it resonated, and it and it won. And I think we need to take that lesson as away as marketers of our analytics practice is our organization doesn't care about all of those technical details. They don't care about all of the stuff that makes what it is that we do exciting to us because it's not exciting to them. We need to figure out how do we tell them about getting 10,000 songs in their pocket in, in terminology and in imagery that's going to excite them. So I, I'm glad John brought it up because, again, if we talked about nothing else, to me, yeah. that is the most critical thing that we've, we've, we've discussed today about providing value or proving value to our boss or organization.
2: Well, thank you. But, yeah, I think, yeah, another way to say that also is just simply, like, you need to not just present the data, but come up with the story behind the data. And that's what gets people to remember the, the power of analytics. And you're right. That is a very big point to say at the end of the <laughs> end of a long conversation.
0: Sometimes it takes, uh, sometimes it takes a lot of back and forth to get down to the, the core <laughs> nugget of what we just, just edited to the last
2: to minute of before, this, this podcast. <laughs> <Jeff. Okay. laughs> um, no, that, that,
1: that's a really good point. And there was also something John also mentioned that I wanted to call out that I really like, you know, you know, you briefly mentioned um, gamification around the data. You know, you were talking about, you know, with iPod launches and getting people excited by saying, you know, what, what color do you think is selling in this country versus that country with a recent launch? Um Gamification. you know when I look mm-hmm. at software and products in recent years, um things that really become sticky with consumers, there's a level of gamification with it. whether it's your Fitbit or the activity tracker in the Apple Watch, it's people competing for number of steps or just you know a count of activity. And you know I, I reached, you know I, I got to this goal this day and this many days. Um, yeah, my wife and I, we both have Fitbits and, you know, we keep upping our daily goal to, 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 beat each other. Um, and, uh, gamification, I did like your, your comment about that because that's also something that can help make things sticky. Yep.
0: Totally agree. So I, I think all of these things that we're talking about is really flipping the mindset that, uh, we, we have to be marketers of, of what we do. We have to accept that the things that excite us like the nuts and bolts of analytics don't excite very many people in organizations so we need to find ways in which we can communicate properly with with people that think much differently than we do so whether that's through gamification whether that's through traditional marketing techniques um, you have to find what works in your organization to be able to deliver that message to build excitement to become a marketer and so um, that's what i'm going to leave us with is Take take the um take the analytics hat off for a minute. Think about your customers internally and and understand what it is that makes them tick and start crafting your message for, for them. Uh it, it will make a tremendous difference in how you are seen internally. And I guarantee if executed correctly, the value that you're already providing today will be seen on a much wider level across the organization. And you'll move a lot closer to being looked at as an indispensable part of, of your company.
1: This was a great conversation. Um, I wasn't sure where we were going to go when I initially thought of this topic and, and the questions around it. But um, we've gone a little bit longer than, than we normally do. I think there's a lot of good stuff within this. So in that case, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap up for now. And uh, we'll talk to everybody later. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at www.33sticks.com. The 33 Tangents Podcast is a production of 33 Sticks.